Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Live with Sean Sean podcast. I'm your host, Sean C. Taylor. And I'm your host, Sean B. Taylor, coming to you with episode number 26, The Last Dance Recap Part 5. The final part, the, the, the last dance. <laughs> the last dance of the last dance. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of deep diving into all episodes 1 through 8 so far, yes. and today we're going to get into episodes 9 and 10. Yeah, it, it, it took a while, right? but... Or we got to get it done. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And we're going to get it done today. Yeah. Then we can move on to the NBA restart and all that. So mm-hmm. without further ado, let's just get into the last dance yeah. of the last dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start off with episode episode nine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller, probably or probably two of the best guards. Not let me, let me back up. Michael Jordan, best guard in the 90s. Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. top two or three. Two guard. Yeah, I mean, 90s, who, else, right? who else was really in front of him? I mean, Clyde Drexler, maybe. What about John Starks? John, nah, I wouldn't put Starks in front of him. I was yeah, thinking yeah. Mitch Richmond, maybe. Mitch, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mitch Richmond was pretty tough. Yeah, Drazen, Petrovich. Drazen, Petrovich. Uh, he's up there, right? Mm-hmm. God bless the dead. Yeah. Um, but definitely the two best shooting guards in the East, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, two totally different styles. But anyways, they get into a fight, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Reggie Miller kind of locks Michael Jordan up. With his like wiry strength, and Michael Jordan's kind of struggling to get off him, but it, it sets the tone for the rest of the episode, because Reggie Miller, despite not being the biggest guy on the court, is not gonna back down, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. what's he talking about? He's like, we're gonna end the Bulls dynasty. This is in 1998. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. So, what, tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so I mean, really, it was just, you know. This was the Bulls' last year together. They, it was the last dance. So they were, after this, it was over. It, Jerry Cross over four. Phil Jackson go 82-0 and in the season and win the championship. Does not matter. He's out of here after right. that. So, you know, Jordan's going to leave, and then the Bulls aren't going to be able to um keep a couple of players, which we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is going to be the last dance. And so Reggie Miller kind of wanted to really end Michael Jordan's career, right. you know, because that was going to be his last year, like I said. So that kind of would have been how he ended his career with Reggie Miller, you know, right. finally taking him down. Right. Yeah, so. That's a good summary. And mm-hmm. it was kind of poetic in a sense because you got here in the notes, like Reggie Miller, when he first came into the league and was a rookie, mm-hmm. he tells a story about him playing against Michael Jordan in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And he gets a couple buckets on him, and Chuck Person, who's on the Pacers at the time, is gassing him up like, yeah, go ahead, MJ, talk trash to him. And Reggie Miller mm-hmm. says something smart to him, to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan turns up, and then ends up dominating him the rest of the game. Yeah. And he says something. What did he say? Don't ever talk trash to black Jesus again, right? Yeah. And so that, I mean, obviously, Mike, Michael Jordan got the best of him in that instance, but that kind of lit a fire in Reggie Miller. Saying like I'm not gonna back down from him like the rest of the league, and yeah. he says that right, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he really makes that he lets you know that he's right not going to. exactly, exactly, and so the the Bulls at this time as well, not only is it their last dance, but they're older, they're older than the first three p yeah right, um, and they're they're a little hobbled, Pippen's yeah. coming off an injury. Yeah. Um, and he's got some stuff going on with his back, and yeah. you know they're just they're they're not the same unstoppable Bulls team from mm-hmm. even two years prior when they went seventy two and ten. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so they end up playing the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
and it goes to to seven games, and mm. the Bulls are actually able to to eke out a victory. But yeah. Miller didn't think that the Bulls should have won that game or that series, did he? Uh, I'm not sure that it's really that. It's that he felt like the Bulls were not a better team, uh-huh. or that the Pacers had a better team than the Bulls. Right, like an overall team. Yeah. yeah. They had Rick Smiths on that team. They had the yeah. big, strong Davis brothers. Yeah. Groups and people that had Jalen Rose. Yeah, wait, right? who are the Davis brothers? What's that? Who are the Davis brothers? Who are the Davis? Antonio. I guess they didn't really show them in the documentary, and you wouldn't know that. No. Uh, Antonio and Dale Davis. Uh, were, I don't know Dale. I know Antonio. Yeah, they were there they're on their front line, so they're power mm-hmm. forwards. Yeah. Um, and they were big. They were big, and they were... Feisty and they play hard and again they didn't back down. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Reggie Miller said he felt the Pacers were the better team. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the Bulls championship level experience or championship experience is ultimately what got them the victory. Mm-hmm. And so I remember. Um, I don't think they showed it too much in the documentary, but I remember in the game, Jordan and Pippen weren't really scoring a lot like the offense. Mm-hmm was kind of stale. And that happens when you get two teams together that really know each other well Yeah. Um, throughout the course of seven games. Mm-hmm. And they just started hitting the offensive glass. Yeah. And they were like, we can be physical too. And Pippen was using his size, whereas Jordan was using more so, more uh, of his quickness. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was pretty cool where it just showed, like, again, to what Reggie Miller was saying, they just had that experience to know how to get it done. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and then another part after the game... Uh, Michael Jordan had gotten really close with one of the security guards, Gus, Mr. Gus, mm-hmm. right? Who yeah. uh, kind of t- took the place of Jordan's dad, or not took the place, but became a father figure to, to Michael Jordan after his dad passed. Yeah. And Michael Jordan made sure to grab the ball and give it to him after the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they were just kind of there for each other. Right. Yeah, and, you know, Jordan described Gus as a father figure for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, Mr. Gus ended up getting sick. He got cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he passed away, and yeah. uh, you pointed out that Jordan said that he was like really one of the first ones to notice yeah. that Gus was sick. He just knew that something was off. Mm-hmm. So, and then again, he ended up passing from cancer. So, mm-hmm. you know, God bless him and his family. Yeah. Um. But so that's ninety eight, right? Mm-hmm. Then they toggle in the documentary. They doing the toggle thing, the jumping back and forth thing. Yeah. They jump back to ninety seven mm-hmm. in the championship series against yeah. the Utah Jazz, right? Yeah. And this is an epic matchup. You got Jordan and Pippen on one side. You got Malone and Stockton on another side. Mm-hmm. Two of the best duos to ever play the game with two totally different styles. Yeah. And literally at four different positions. Because mm-hmm. on the Bulls, you got a shooting guard and a small forward. On the Jazz, you got a point guard and a power forward. Yeah, LeBron so, and Anthony Davis. You said LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah. I, I guess that would be like... Stopped in the Malone on like super steroids, right? <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 97, they're matched up. Two best teams in the NBA as far as their records, right? Bulls are number one in the East. Jazz are number one in the West. And the Jazz have been trying for a long time to break through and get to the championship and had never been able to do it. Yeah. And actually end up knocking out the Rockets mm-hmm. off John Stockton's clutch jump shot where yeah. Charles Barkley... No disrespect, he had like one of the worst closeouts ever. Yeah. Right, it was a, kind of a broken play, and then Stockton ends up hitting that three yeah. to win. Was it game five or game six? I think it was game six, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if it was game seven, if it was like game seven or anything like that, then I don't know. That's like tied for the craziest and most clutch jumper ever. Yeah, no, but I'm pretty sure it was game six. Yeah. But anyways, the Jazz are there against the Bulls, 
And hold on. MJ nearly hits a double. Oh, that was against the Pacers. Right. Mm-hmm. We're past that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Bulls, I don't remember who won the first game, right? In the Jazz series? In the Jazz series. I, I'm pretty sure it was the Jazz. Okay. So the Jazz get the first game. And then. The, oh, wait. No, no. Or I think Jordan hit that game winner in 97. Right. Was that in yeah. game one? Yeah. Yeah, that was one. in game one. That's mm-hmm. right. He hits the, the jumper on the left wing against Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Jazz come back and win the second game. Yeah. Right? And then uh, they split the next two games. So then the series mm-hmm. is tied two to two. Yeah. And then we have the infamous flu game. Yeah. yeah. Right? Flu game, flu poisoning Right. Game. This is where yeah. things get interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody with well, a popular belief is that Michael Jordan had the flu, right? Mm-hmm. He had an IV hooked up to him before the game. He's mm-hmm. like falling over Scottie Pippen, can barely stand up, right? But Michael Jordan comes out and says that he got food poisoning. Yeah. He got yeah. food poisoning in Utah. They're playing in Utah. Yeah. He says he was hungry. He ordered a pizza. Mm-hmm. It was himself, Tim Grover, maybe one or two other people in there, right? Mm-hmm. And that he eats the pizza and then he gets sick, right? Yeah, and there was like five other dudes that, you know, delivered the pizza. So that That's what Jordan says, right? Yeah. What do you think about that story? Uh, I mean... I mean, it's probably true. I you mean, think it's true? I mean, I don't know why he would, you know, say that. But, like, right? five other guys, I mean, just just don't eat the pizza, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Don't eat the pizza? Okay. So, at first, when he initially said it, I said, oh, that makes a little bit of sense, right? Mm-hmm. But then when he said, I was the only one that ate the pizza, that made me look. See your face right there. You just looked at me crazy, right? Yeah. You said he said I was the only one that ate the pizza, right? I forgot. That he said you that. forgot that he said that, right? Yeah. So my thing is like I'm 38 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Never in my life have I seen someone just eat a whole pizza, right? When there's other people present, you're yeah. telling me that no one else took not even one slice. You yeah. ate the whole thing, and there was at least two other people in your room? Yeah. That sounds a little suspect to me, right? Yeah, it's, it's a little selfish. <laughs> right, right, it's, it's a little selfish. It's, um... Because if other people wanted pizza, you would be like, well, let's order a couple pizzas, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just order one pizza. I mean, no one else wanted pizza. Everybody loves pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I cut you off, but you said it's selfish, and then what? Yeah, and just, like, <laughs> if someone did that, Someone definitely couldn't do that, like, the night before, like, now. Right. You know, in the NBA, it's just, like, you just can't do that. Why? Why can't you do that? Be- because it's just, like, then people are going to get on you, team is going to get on you, right. but then they just really didn't know and didn't care. Right, right. Well, there yeah. wasn't as much uh, access to players as yeah. there is now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not right now because of the bubble, but in general, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so he says, I'm the only one. He throws that in there. I'm the only one that ate the pizza. Mm-hmm. He was very clear on saying that. I'm like... I don't know about this now, right? Mm-hmm. And so, a couple of weeks after the that episode aired, the guy who supposedly made the pizza and delivered the pizza said, we did nothing to that pizza. There was one guy who, like, I made the pizza, I delivered the pizza. There wasn't five guys, like, I don't know what this guy's talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to actually say, I don't, I'm not sure that I believe that it was food poisoning. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. Right? I just don't know that it was food poisoning, right? Yeah, and they said it was symptoms of the flu. So. Right, flu-like symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so 
I, I don't know, but the dude was from, like, he was in Utah, and Jordan, Jordan, the, they say this later in the podcast, or maybe it was the same episode, no, it was next episode, that Jordan's wife wouldn't even let their kids go to Utah. Right, right. Because it was too hostile, hostile of an environment. Right. So, like, I don't know who I believe here. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a great point. I guess we'll never know, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Jordan comes out in game five, has one of the epic performances of all time in the finals. Yeah. Uh, has 38 points, hits a clutch three. You put that here, hits a clutch three to go up 88-85 with about 30 seconds left in the game, right? Yeah. So he played 44 minutes and 38 points with flu-like symptoms, right? Jeez. And the thing is, geez, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you read out the score, he has 38 of their 88 points. He has like 40, 45% of their points. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> right? So that's what, and we'll get into the 98 finals, a similar situation um, with the, the the share of points that Jordan ends up having. But that's mm. incredible. Yeah. And to do that with flu-like symptoms. Mm. And now, obviously, the shoes he was wearing at the time, the Jordan 12s, the black and red ones, those are called yeah. the flu games. Very yeah. iconic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that just kind of added to the myth of Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. And so then he goes on, um, where the Bulls go on, they play in game six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Kerr, there's kind of like a little sidebar about Steve Kerr and the build-up because he hits a big shot in game six. Mm-hmm. And uh, you put a great note in it. Well, I guess it's not great, but it's a very uh, a, uh, a strong observation because I think it speaks to who Steve Kerr is. It talks mm-hmm. about how his dad, who is a professor, actually um, got killed when mm-hmm. Steve Kerr was young. Yeah. And that kind of built that that intestinal fortitude in Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Because previously in the documentary, him and Jordan got in a fight. And Steve Kerr's like, I didn't back down. Yeah. Right? And he kind of talks about that. How like, you know, my dad had got killed. And he always told me to stand up for what I believe in. And, like, I told myself I would never back down. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was pretty, like, not cool. But you get what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. it just really gave a, a deeper look into his character and... and what gave him the strength to not back down against Jordan, but then also mm. to hit a big, big bucket yeah. in game six, right? Yeah. So what do you think about that? I mean, like, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's almost like, you know, you you can't... I, I don't really know how to feel about it because just like, you know, just the tragedy of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I just don't really know how to speak on it. Okay. Yeah, so I, I don't really have words with that. But, you, okay. know, you know, you know, what's the word? Maybe like bravo to Steve Kerr. Right, right. Yeah, yeah like. Well, I know. respect your honesty with that. Mm-hmm. So Jordan says that he knew that Steve Kerr was, and just a quick sidebar, you did a great job with these notes. Uh, you wrote like you. a lot of notes, but they're very timely and very observant. Mm-hmm. So I'm proud of you for that. Thank you. Um, but Jordan says he was ready to go to war with Steve Kerr because he knew he wasn't going to back down, right? Mm-hmm. And so get to the last possession, last offensive possession of game six in the 1997 finals. Mm-hmm. And they're in a timeout. And Jordan says, hey, Stockton's going to double. I'm going to kick it to you and you're going to make the shot. Mm-hmm. Right? And Steve Kerr's like, all right, I'll be ready. Yeah, no, no, he was, like, yelling is what he said. Right. Yeah, he, like, you can even hear it in the, you know, when they showed it in the documentary. He was like, I'll be right, I'll be right. Right, right. Know, like, yelling, I was like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because 
I like I know exactly what clip you're talking about. And Jordan is almost like he's drinking his water, Gatorade, whatever. He's kind of like not paying attention to Steve Kerr mm-hmm. when Steve Kerr is yelling at. Like he said what he said, and Steve Kerr is like yelling back at him, right? Mm-hmm. And I always thought that's weird that Jordan is just kind of almost ignoring him. Mm-hmm. But Steve Kerr says that Jordan knew that the cameras were on him, mm-hmm. right? And the mics were right there. So he didn't want to give it too much attention, right? Mm-hmm. He just said what he said, and then he was kind of like trying to play it cool. Mm-hmm. But Steve Kerr's like, yeah, he's so excited. Like, I'm going to be ready because yeah. you don't get a lot of shots. And he's kind of gassing up, and Jordan's kind of looking like, man, yeah. shut up, man. Be quiet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Did, did you catch that? Uh, I, I can kind of see, like, you know, like, you know, yeah, be quiet. like you Right. Know, we we got to execute. Space. Right, right. But, you know, Steve Kerr, you do what you want. It works. Um you know, it was no different than what, you know, I I guess it was planned. Right. Um, But, yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean, Jordan catches on the left wing, Russell's on him. Yeah. He drives in, stopped and comes for the double. Jordan does a textbook step through. And then the thing that I loved about the documentary, we talked about this before, were, were all the multiple camera angles. Mm-hmm. That and the, the additional audio that you didn't catch before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they show a different uh, angle that I had never seen before where Jordan, because I'm like, how did Kerr end up so wide open, right? Like, I knew he was going to be open, but that wide open. Yeah. Jordan, when he steps through, he does a fake. Like, he does a no-look like he's going to throw the ball, skip it across to the corner. I think Kukoc is in the corner. Mm-hmm. And he throw- fakes like he's going to s- skip it over there, and it kind of freezes the defense. Mm-hmm. And that little fake, that little no look, right, which is something that LeBron, Magic, those guys are great at, right? Chris mm-hmm. Paul freezes the defense for that half a second, and then he kicks it to Steve Kerr, who doesn't mm-hmm. shoot the three. He steps in some. That's what I was going to say right? earlier. That's why I kind of like paused for a second. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take it. No, 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 no. You're fine. <laughs> no, now it's you. <laughs> nah, but go ahead. So you, you notice how he stepped in, right? Yeah, he stepped in. A lot of guys nowadays just shoot three. Right. But, um, you know, it was good that he stepped in, took that easy shot. Right. Especially guys back then could n- knock that shot down like the layup. Yeah. So That's a good point. It hit all yeah. bottoms. And Stockton, when he goes to, to uh, retreat from Jordan, mm-hmm. right, he, like, he gets, again, stuck on that little no-look. Mm-hmm. And so when he goes to close out on Curry, he kind of slips. Yeah, he stumbles right? and he, right. you know, he's like kind of, it's kind of below. It it was a tougher shot than you know it may seem. Because, right, you know he was kind of there like under him. Right, right. You know not. I, I'm about to say something. It's not of this difficulty, but it was. It almost seemed a little bit like the the Ray Allen Tony Parker. Right. Shot. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, but because you know, Steve Kerr was on perfect balance. Right. Too, so yeah, I mean, I I get. That how you're drawing the similarity because Tony Parker, again, that's why that shot to me, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why that shot is great to me. But one of the greatest reasons is because when you go back and you look at the still shot, right, when he's about to actually release the ball, Tony Parker is literally right under him. His mm-hmm. hand is like on Ray Allen's hip. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, like to have that level of focus yeah. is just incredible incredible but so i get what you're saying because stockton was mm-hmm. kind of stumbling underneath him mm-hmm. um not as big of a shot it wasn't a three he wasn't stepping back and mm-hmm. this game was tied and it was game six yeah well, right they were up yeah. right right yeah i mean it's yeah. crazy to still think about that shot but yeah i mean that that shot is an all-time all-time classic and we may actually get into well we're gonna get into another shot here in a minute that 
rivals that Ray Allen shot for possibly the best shot in finals history, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Steve Kerr knocks it down. The Bulls win yet another title, the fifth title. And mm-hmm. they're just like, man, they, they are rocking and rolling, right? Yeah. And so, but then, um, okay, well, let's kind of put a, a pin in that for a second. They win that title, right? Mm-hmm. And... Then they go back to episode... I'm sorry. Then they go back to 1998. Mm-hmm. And they toggle back to that. And they're, uh, Reggie Miller again is saying how he feels like they're the better team. They should win. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls just are looking very human. They're not looking like the, the steamrollers that they were in 1996 or in the first three-piece series, right? Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that that is a combination? Or do you think it's primarily age... And injuries, like the little dings and stuff that come along with that, do you think it was the mental fatigue that came with winning or going on yet another championship run? Or do you think it was like a, a mixture of both? Uh, definitely a mixture of both. Uh-huh. Um, Jordan, you know, he talked about how he was, you know, really getting tired in that final series, mm-hmm. um, you know, mentally and physically, mm-hmm. um, especially in that last game in 98. Um, because Pippen got hurt. He hurt his back. Right. Yeah, so I think it was definitely a mixture of both. And he, he's even talked about his whole career. Like, I would, I would, he said, like, something like, I would never do it all again because just the, the, how it messes up, like, your mental and stuff. Oh, and, right. Yeah, it's just like a game I could really never win. Right. You're talking about as far as embracing, like, the whole icon role and yeah. trying to look, like, super squeaky clean and all that, the imagery, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he really loved the game of basketball, mm-hmm. right? Almost to, like, like uh, the level of being an artist, right? He just mm-hmm. loved the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like you said, I think all the other stuff was just weighing in on him. And yeah. Dennis Rodman says something about that in one of the previous episodes. He says, yeah. basketball is easy. It's a simple game. Mm-hmm. It's all the other stuff that yeah. comes along with it that wears you down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you think about that? Because now, in 2020, it's almost like more. You know, the, the mm-hmm. athletes nowadays, like, the camera, and you said this earlier, the camera, the mics, they're always on you. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think the guys are, like, how do you think they're able to deal with that? Uh... I don't know. It's just really, you know, just cut, kind of have to get used to it. They, mm-hmm. Some of these guys, uh, it might be a little bit easier for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know because it might be kind of a transi- transition. Because, mm-hmm. like, someone like LeBron, mm-hmm. he's getting all this hype, mm-hmm. like, you know, even before he gets into the league. Since he was, like, 16. Yeah, since he was 16, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting looked at. And then, you know, he comes to the league, he's a huge star, mm-hmm. and then people, you know... He was receiving this hate and stuff, but, you know, it's just, like, I, I think he adapted to it well, but some dudes, oh, yeah. some dudes, it, it can, you know, they could maybe fold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be reasonable if they did, because, like you said, LeBron, in 90, I'm sorry, in 96, when he was 16 years old, he was already being heralded as the next Jordan, mm-hmm. and came into the league at 18 with as much or more hype than I've ever seen from any athlete. Mm-hmm. Definitely the most hyped athlete that I've seen in my lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And he was actually better. He was actually better than the hype. Like, yeah. this guy is just, I mean, one of the all-time, all-time greats, man. Just yeah. And the fact that he hasn't let the off-the-court stuff um, just totally crush him, you mm-hmm. know, is just a testament to his character and his will. Mm-hmm. So, you know, big shout-out to LeBron. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, Jordan is like, I'm tired. And now we've come to episode 10. Mm-hmm. In the episode 9, they win it against uh, Utah, and then they're battling for their lives in the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals, right? Yeah. We're in episode 10. Mm-hmm. And so we're really at the last dance of the last dance. Mm-hmm. And you wrote a great point here, or you made a great note here, right? Mm-hmm. Mark Vansell, who is someone who commentated uh, many times throughout the documentary, I think he may have even written a book on Michael Jordan, but on the third bullet point, what did he say about Michael Jordan in relation to Michael Jordan's greatest gift? He said, you know, word for word, his gift was not that he could jump high, run fast, shoot shoot a basketball. His gift was that he was com- completely present, and that was the separator. Whew, I was like, man, that was that was heavy right there. Mm-hmm. Because it takes it to... Um, I don't want to say a spiritual thing, mm-hmm. but it's like a, it's almost like a life philosophy, mm-hmm. right? That he was embracing this, like, you know, I think, I can't remember what religion it is, but it's like, you know, there is no yesterday, there's no tomorrow, there's only today, there's only the now, right? Mm-hmm. Or I know uh, in, in the Bible, I believe it's in Matthew 6, Jesus says, like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. brings is tr- enough troubles you know, then when it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Worry about today, mm-hmm. right? And that ability to remain present, I feel like not only was it, to Mark Vansel's point, a separator, mm-hmm. but it allowed him to almost build like a cocoon around himself, mm-hmm. right? To block out all distractions and noise and to like hyper-focus, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. you get into, to back to what I was saying about Jordan being an artist, you get into the Da Vinci's of the world. You get into the Michelangelo, Michelangelo's of the world who mm-hmm. created the Sistine Chapel over just thousands and thousands of man hours, right? Yeah. And there's an intense focus that goes along with that, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like Michael Jordan was able to tap into that realm or whatever that is, that next level of consciousness because he was always present mm-hmm. and therefore he was always himself. Yeah. What, what you want to speak to that a, a little bit? What do you think about that? I mean, I, I I don't really. Again, I just don't really have any words to that. You know, <laughs> it's just like you know, it, it it's it's deep. It it's, is it's deep. Very, it's very deep. Like right. you know, when we get into the all time greats on like really planet Earth. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. it's just like Earthlings. Yeah, like you know, greatest Earthlings of all time. Right. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> he funny. like he tapped in like he's thinking outside of this world right right yeah. on like another level right mm-hmm. um but so we go back to the the athletes of today right mm-hmm. and there's so much focus mm-hmm. put on them so much attention and there's so many distractions right mm-hmm. even just in, in in your cell phone you got social media you got the internet where you can search things up right mm-hmm. um you got pictures and videos and just music there's so many things that can distract you mm-hmm. do you think that it's possible to see another athlete like lock in like that for a sustained amount of time not for a game or even for a season but i mean he had a six rings in eight years is a pretty remarkable run right do you think another athlete can match that level of focus given today's climate? Um, probably not, cause just all the social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
um, it it just really be tough too. Right. I just don't really see it. Right. <laughs> I mean, you kept it short and sweet. I will say with this bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And LeBron said this in an interview recently. You gotta really love the hoop with these guys being in this bubble, right? Because mm-hmm. your family's not there, you can't leave. Like, it's almost like an extended basketball camp, mm-hmm. but for like really, really, really rich and talented players, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you got to be, and there's no fans, mm-hmm. so you got to be locked all the way in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see guys like Damian Lillard just going to a totally different level, mm-hmm. and. He said from the jump, like, I'm locked in. I'm not coming here to waste my time. I'm coming here to win. Mm -hmm. And they did that. So I feel like he was able to tap into that level of thinking, and it paid off for himself and the Blazers, Mm -hmm. um, which we'll see coming up here in in, in a couple days in the playoffs. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that that was a great quote to start it off with because when you're talking about folks who are super talented and super athletic, you have to look for the mental part to be the separator. And I think that's what what it was for Jordan. Mm -hmm. That and the fact that he was, like, insanely competitive. Yeah. Like, in everything. Like, go fish. All that stuff, right? Um, And so, Vance also says Jordan didn't allow things that were out of his control to cause his downfall. Downfall and that he wasn't fearful. But Mm -hmm. I guess, again, if you're locked in on what you can do and focused on what you can do, Mm -hmm. there's really nothing to be scared of. Yeah. Right? Like they said... They asked him about being scared of making a shot, and he was like, "Why would I be scared of uh, or missing a shot?" And he said, "Why would I be scared of missing a shot I haven't taken yet?" Yeah. Right. I'm like, "Whoa, that's that's pretty serious." Yeah. Um. And so, uh, we touched on the part about, um, Jordan, and the Bulls, or I'm sorry, Jordan's wife not letting the kids go to Utah for the '98 Conference Final for the championship because they're playing again. Mm-hmm. Right. Second time in two years, two best teams in the in the NBA, but mm-hmm. this time the Jazz really feel like they've got the Bulls number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Jordan is, uh, you know, out there with his teammates, and the Jazz win game one in overtime, mm-hmm. right? The Bulls win game two, and then what happens in game three? Um, Probably the biggest blowout of, like, like all time. Well, biggest embarrassment. Um, <laughs> right. People don't even really talk about this uh-huh. at all. Um, lowest amount of points scored in a single game mm-hmm. um, by any team in NBA history, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. In the you finals, know? you said? Yeah, uh-huh. that, that's at least been recorded. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. so, I mean, the score, so the Bulls, they easily defeated the Jazz in game three, 96 to 54. Right. That's 42 points. Yeah. In the finals. Right, like, right. I don't know how the series, like, we, like, is competitive from that point on. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that game as a kid and being like, I like just being so happy because I love Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is actually happening. Like, they're destroying them. Like, they just, mm-hmm. like, tighten the screws on them defensively. Yeah. And, I mean, they broke their will in that game. There's yeah. really no other way to put it. Yeah. Um, Wait, so since you watched that game, how like, like, how many times, like, how many positions did it take for the Jazz to score? I, I really don't remember. I just remember thinking to myself at the time, the Bulls are locked all the way in. Mm-hmm, got to. Like, I mean, when, when I say that, I mean like on every possession. And it reminds me kind of of like, 
Kobe and Shaq's Lakers mm-hmm. and LeBron and Dwayne Wade's Heat, mm-hmm. when those teams are locked in, or even like Golden State with Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. When they're locked in, they're scary. They're scary, especially on the defensive side. And we talked about this before. One thing the Bulls don't get enough credit for, in my opinion, is their defense. Mm-hmm. Their their ability to maintain championship level defense for nearly a decade, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that game and thinking like Utah can't score. Mm-hmm. I mean Chicago is rotating on everything. They're swarming around, mm-hmm. and the only other time that that I vividly remember that for the Bulls at least was when in '96 when uh, the Bulls played the Magic. And Jordan and them were on a mission, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, okay, Shaq's going to give them problems. And I remember the Bulls were just swarming all over the place. They were making yeah. every rotation. They were boxing out every time. They were just, I mean, getting mad deflection. They were getting all the 50-50 balls. Like, I'm like, wow, this is actually a beautiful, this is beautiful to watch, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I remember about that Jazz game, yeah. right? And so you said you don't know how it's competitive after that, right? Yeah. The Bulls won... Uh well first Jerry Sloan you put this in there <laughs> when Jerry Sloan saw the final score of uh game three he asked is, is this actually the final score yeah. <laughs> right that was a very candid moment man mm-hmm. and God bless Jerry Sloan he since passed on mm-hmm. um and then Dennis Rodman skips practice the next day to go to a wrestling match with Hulk Hogan yeah right yeah I mean how crazy is that I I mean like I don't really think he was. Thinking. Right. Like, right. Like, like, seriously, I don't think he was thinking about, <laughs> right. you know, anything else. Right. But, you know, like, I'm going to go to this wrestling match. I yeah. ain't got nothing else to do <laughs> right. anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, aside from continue playing the championship. I don't even know if he was thinking about You don't think he was thinking about I don't. I, don't. I seriously don't. You're, well, you said it earlier. You're like, there's no way something like this could happen in today's climate, right? Because guys mm-hmm. would just, you would get crushed in the media right crushed yeah but you know it's a total like there would be think pieces about it Stephen A. Smith and Nick Wright were going crazy rants about it right Mm -hmm. but back then it was just kind of like I mean there people spoke about it right Mm -hmm. and then it was over it was on to the next right sports didn't dominate our culture and our psyche as much as it does now right so yeah that was crazy but he comes back and he balls out in game four yeah it's a ton of rebounds and the Bulls win game four Mm-hmm. Right, and they say they want to close it out game five in Chicago, and Utah says nope, we're gonna be the spoilers, and they eke out a win. Right, mm-hmm. Jordan's like, of course I would have loved to win at home, but it didn't happen, and then he moves on yeah. again. See, thing I want to say about that uh-huh. is like, I, I I was thinking about something ever since I had like the chance to write these notes. Uh-huh. And I I can't remember it now. If I remember it, then I'll say it. Okay. But it's just like, I don't know, just something about Jordan just, you know, being like, just kind of like a god in (laughs) basketball. A god in basketball? What are you talking about, man? Like, I don't know. Like, just the way that sounds. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, again, I think it goes back to the Hansel quote from the beginning of the episode that you wrote down. Mm-hmm. He was always present, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, I'm upset that we didn't win. I obviously wanted to close it out at home and not to play another game, but it didn't happen. What else can you say? Like, it drives yeah. me crazy nowadays when I'm watching sports shows 
and folks try to like micro analyze stuff that's just very obvious. Mm-hmm. It's very basic. Like you tried your best, you obviously wanted to win, right? Mm-hmm. And you lost. Sometimes yeah. that's how it goes, and then you just move on. That's mm-hmm. it. There's nothing else to talk about, mm-hmm. right? And I think that was again the separator for him. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you said a basketball god. That's so funny. Yeah, and so you said it earlier about how the Bulls have to go back to Utah and like Juanita Jordan, Michael Jordan's wife at the time, is like, no, the kids can't even go. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jordan says, "Listen, I'm packing one suit, right? I'm packing oh, one gosh. suit like that. <laughs> I'm packing one suit, Yo, and that's whoa. it, right? Yeah. And so, wait, are you sure it's that time? Actually, you know what? No, he said that about the Phoenix." Series, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. catch. He said about the Phoenix, and they won that game as well. That game six, right? Yeah. Um. So, he's just like, all right, well, kids, y'all stay at home. I'm gonna, you know, take care of business. And before game six, Scottie Pippen is feeling stiffness in his back. Mm. Um, a few minutes into the game, he dunks the ball and pulls something in his back. Yeah. And his base is like, I'm done. Like I'm just. He was just hurt. He's limping up and down the court. Mm-hmm. Um. He finishes the game with eight points. Right, even though he did a lot of intangible stuff, right, and played mm-hmm. the game the right way to help them in the game, mm-hmm. he just couldn't really score. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls didn't have a lot of guys outside of Jordan Pippen that could generate their own shot. Yeah, and you know he said Jordan, I was just just running up and down the floor taking every shot. He like he actually was taking every shot. Right. Yeah. Right. Like there was very few possessions, you know, in the game where someone else took a shot. Like I'd say like. The rest of the team could get like two shots right in the quarter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he took a lot of shots. But do you think that that was the best course of action? Do you think that was the best strategy? I mean, it's Jordan, and they said that, and his teammates even said like, you know, he had found like he had found out how to win games. Right. You know, at one point, yeah, Armstrong said that. I yeah. remember that. And then once he, you know, found that out, then it was over. Right. So I mean, probably. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very basic, right? Very obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was the best course of action because obviously we'll we'll get into the outcome in a minute, right? For those that don't know. Um, But they had a system. Mm -hmm. They had a system. And I think one of the brilliant uh, components of the triangle was that when you have a system that is interchangeable, yes, it allows you to be creative, but it also allows you to focus on doing your job. Mm-hmm. Right, you never really have to do anything that you're not good at, right, or anything mm-hmm. that's unexpected. And mm-hmm. once you do that, it allows you to like f- just hyper focus, right? Mm-hmm. And it it allows the team to maintain a certain level of continuity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? So yeah. I don't want Steve Kerr dribbling down, taking three dribbles between his legs and pulling up for the three. Steve Kerr doesn't want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But he knows that he's gonna pass, he's gonna cut, he's gonna. Okay, and if the shot presents itself, then he's obviously going to take it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so Jordan is, he's hot in the first half, right? I think he mm. starts off like 9 for for 11 or 9 for 13, something crazy like that, right? Yeah. Um, he's just killing out of the post mostly. Um, and Pippen at this time has, is out of the game, right? Yeah. Second half starts, Pippen comes back out. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know, just basically running up and down the court. He's a body, but again, making mm-hmm. just... Uh, good winning basketball plays, right? Mm-hmm. But the score is just, it's kind of a, a, a dogfight, right? Mm-hmm. And Jordan gets cold. He's not making a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. But because they lock in defensively, Utah is not able to pull away, yeah. right? And on the flip side, 
Utah doesn't have a lot of people that can create for themselves either. Mm-hmm. So that's almost kind of a blessing for the Bulls. You know, outside of Malone, Stop is not really a shot creator. Hornacek, Russell, none of those guys are really shot creators. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What do you think would have happened if they would have played against a team that had uh, a little bit more of a dynamic offense? You think they would have run into some problems, or you think they still would have been able to, to strap them up? For the Bulls? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it would have been a little bit of a problem because mm-hmm. just like, you know, Jordan's great defensively. Steve Curry ain't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron, Har- Ron Harper was still there, right? Yeah, Ron Harper's a, a good defender. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's a good defender as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they got big, big guys in Luke Longley, Bill mm-hmm. Wennington, but other than that, right? you know, it's just, it'd be kind of tough, I think. <laughs> yeah, so they got guys like Wennington, Bushler, uh, Luke Longley. But I don't really know if the Bulls win the game if they got more of a dynamic offense. And honestly, I don't think Jordan's um, icon- um iconic shot really is iconic and makes a difference in the game if the Jazz had, like, a shot creator. Okay, so if the Jazz had more of an iconic offense, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But uh, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, <laughs> basic jump. Um, so Phil Jackson calls timeout. None of the guys are looking concerned at all, Mm-mm. even though they're down three. Is what thirty seconds, forty seconds left, right? Mm-hmm. And so, over the next thirty, forty seconds, we witness just a great series of events from Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, arguably one of the greatest, yeah, right in Finals history. Mm-hmm. So Michael Jordan gets the inbounds pass. He goes strong side right past Brian Russell. Russell. Mm-hmm. Brian Russell actually almost strips the ball from Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. but because Michael Jordan has these huge hands, yeah. he's able to like kind of hold on to it. Not kind of hold on to it. He's able to hold on to it and then finish the layup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like. It, it it was almost tougher than like if he would have hit that instead of the shot. I feel like that would have been tougher. Because that, that was such a tough... Like, I don't even know how he made that. Yeah, like, he made it look real easy, but it was actually really difficult. Yeah. And so, in the timeout, Phil Jackson, or maybe... I don't know if this was editing or we saw it earlier. Matter of fact, let me back up. A couple of days ago, we watched Game 6, the movie. Mm-hmm. So, they cinematized Game 6. Mm-hmm. So, there were more camera angles. There, were more, there was more audio... They gave it the theatrical look and everything. Mm-hmm. And then one of the timeouts, mm-hmm. Phil Jackson says, hey, Malone's been giving us some problems on the block. Mm-hmm. We might want to look to double him. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. so Utah always runs this play. They throw it to the wing, cross screen for Malone, and then mm-hmm. get him the ball on the block, and he goes to work. Right? Mm-hmm. So after Jordan scores, they run that play, they get it to the left wing, stop them, bring it to the left wing. Mm-hmm. Hornacek goes block to block and screens for Malone, who's on the opposite block. Mm-hmm. Malone then comes to the left block, Stockton enters the ball to him. Mm-hmm. Jordan, instead of going across fully with Hornacek, kind of stays there, right? Mm-hmm. And then when Malone gets the ball, Jordan pounces on him and steals the ball. Mm-hmm. Swipes it from without fouling, yeah. which like we've talked about before, that's very difficult to do mm-hmm. to knock the ball away from someone. Like pros sometimes make it look easy, but it's hard to just 
pluck somebody like that without fouling him. Mm, um, he really like slapped the ball. Right. He just slapped it down out of his hands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Malone had no idea he was there, mm-hmm. which he really, when he got it, he should have looked over both shoulders. That didn't happen. And who am I to judge, right? <laughs> this is yeah. Malone, one of the greatest players in NBA history. But Jordan slaps the ball out of his hands. Malone falls. Jordan picks it up mm-hmm. and then starts bringing the ball down the left side of the court, right? Mm-hmm. Clears out everybody. He's got it. Clock is running, running down. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, he hits the shot. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take us through that, that last play? Um. Okay, so really just, you know, he's got the ball. On the left side of the court, in his left hand, um, Byron Russell on him, um, you know, just kind of in ISO, really. Everyone just is n- cleared out, really. Sky Pippen even say when Jordan got the ball, he's just thinking, get out the way, just get out the way, let him go to work. Mm-hmm. And Jordan then, I'm pretty sure he might he might have crossed over he might or he might have just already had it in his right hand. Yeah, he already had it in yeah, his right hand. He he went he went towards the free throw line and then snatched back real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew the help was coming. Right. So he just snatched back. Everyone thinks that the snatch rack was pushed off, but when you look back at it, Jordan he like kind of stops like. Stops his hand before it could be a push off. So right, it wasn't really a push off. Gives him like a little tap almost. Yeah, Byron Russell, you know, was already going that way. His momentum was going right. that way, and Byron Russell didn't even argue the call. And then Jordan gets right. a wide open jumper, right, and just knocks it down. He, he had to hold his follow through because he was so tired. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and so he comes down like you said on the left side. He goes hard two dribbles. Yeah. To the free throw line. Yeah. And I think it was Stockton that's in the help side. Mm. And when he goes hard in those two dribbles, Stockton sinks in and he snatches back on a dime. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I mean, he stops his momentum on a dime and pulls it back, right? Yeah, on hard dribbles. Right, on two hard dribbles. And he's very low, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Snatches back. Russell falls. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, Jordan pulls up to shoot it. He holds the follow-through because, like we mentioned, Jordan had gotten cold Mm -hmm. from probably midway through the second quarter throughout the whole third quarter because I think he was just on fumes, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so he holds that follow-through not as a way to to be braggadocious, but as a fundamental jump shot, right? To say, I know I've been tired. I've been pulling short, hitting front rim on my shots. I'm going to make sure this one goes in and it switches through the net, Mm -hmm. right? And it's just, yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful play. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something about people saying that it was a push-off, but how he really didn't extend. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. But also, like we just said, to be that size and to go hard two dribbles and then to snatch back like that, mm-hmm. I don't think people have a true appreciation for how difficult that is, right? Yeah. Like that that's a really difficult move, right? <laughs> right. I mean, just try doing that you might hit yourself in the face with the ball. <laughs> right. Like really that that might be the best you get. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best you can get. Just yeah. hit yourself in the face yeah. with the ball. It's okay. You're right. not the goat. Right, so right. Just it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to copy that move a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. It's really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Right, and the way he's got it, he's got it like at his shoulder and a right. weird angle dribbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. 
um, you see a lot of guys use what they would call a step back now, right? Mm -hmm. I would say really it's more of a sidestep, right? Most guys do a sidestep type shot like Dame did against OKC last year to knock them out. That Mm -hmm. was a sidestep. That wasn't a step back, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you see someone like Harden who does a step back, right? Mm -hmm. He is not going forward and then stepping back most times, Mm -hmm. right? Most times he's just rocking you to sleep and then he pushes off Right? Mm-hmm. Really, what I think is a travel that a lot of guys do because it's three steps, but the NBA has deemed it a gather step, whatever that means, right? Yeah. He pushes off one foot and then takes those two steps back to create space, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there are times, like I think it was against Wesley Johnson, where he drove in and then he did pull it back, right? Yeah. But even then, when guys snatch back like that, they take that gather step uh-huh. and then get themselves together and then shoot it. Yeah. Jordan snatched back and then went right into his jump shot, which to me just may, I know it's a, it may seem like a small thing, but it just speaks to his ability to create space um, because his combination of athleticism and technique had just reached the apex. Yeah. It just met on top of the mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes the shot even more difficult. Right. Yeah, it's just like, because usually, like, you'd be like, you be soft balance issue, right. but he was on perfect balance. Right, right. Yeah, like maybe the most perfect balance of his career, maybe. Yeah. Because just like, I don't think he like Jordan really ever since like when he was really like becoming the goat and people starting to notice that. I don't know if he's ever got like more of a wide open mid range shot. Right. Yeah, like that's was, a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> so you have him fifteen years later or fourteen years later, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um. Shooting, still killing people from the mid-range. But mm-hmm. like you said, now he's it's all come together at the perfect time mm-hmm. to give him a wide-open jump shot. Yeah. And that seals the deal. Utah gets a possession. They uh, they miss, stopped and misses a three out the front of the rim. He gets a good look. Yeah. And he misses it, and that's game over. The Bulls win number six, their second three-peat. Mm-hmm. And so that yeah. that's pretty much the end of the last dance, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then there's more to it after. Oh, okay. Yeah, they talk about the off season. Oh, right. Okay. And why everyone really can't like come back and what the Bulls had to go through. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So then they, after that, they talk about you know how they celebrate, and Scotty Pippen even goes on and says, you know, even with you know how much like he didn't he really disliked Jerry Krause. Mm-hmm. Um, he still had to give him credit for building right. that Bulls dynasty right. that they had, and you That's know good point. all the good times, the good years yeah. of just you know winning. Yeah, and I'm happy that that he said that too. Yeah, because I was quite frankly, I was I was disappointed with the way Jerry Krause was portrayed in this documentary. Yeah, because he's no longer alive to defend himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So I thought that I, I didn't like that, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people offered a similar critique of The Last Dance and that that, you know, a similar critique saying that, like, that's not really in great taste, right? Yeah. We don't really need a villain, so to speak. Yeah. And he was portrayed as a villain. So I'm glad that Scottie Pippen said that and the fact that the directors and producers included that in the documentary because that man did deserve his just due. Yeah, but, um, I mean, really the only villain should be, like, the, the rival of the Bulls, whoever they're going against. Right, right, I yeah, agree. Yeah, and it, it will, like, probably change up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so, you know, talk about how 
Scottie Pippen, you know, how he had to give him respect. Mm-hmm. And then they go on to, I think it was the championship, like, you know, ceremony, celebration. Right, the parade. Yeah, the parade. Mm-hmm. And um, as the parade was going on, Barack Obama is actually, he's not at the parade, but mm-hmm. he's commentating. And then Barack Obama, he said something along the lines of, like, you know, Michael Jordan, he, like, had done something beyond becoming just a legendary basketball mm-hmm. player, the GOAT. He, like, had became a huge cultural figure for people all around the world. Mm-hmm. And just to hear something like that from Barack Obama. Right. Just, I mean, like, first black president and everything. Right. And president of the United States. Right. Yeah, just, like, it, it's really crazy. In That's the a great point, son. Yeah, just... It's huge. It's yeah, huge. <laughs> it's huge. That, that's a great point. That's a great way to to frame that, son. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's absolutely right. Jordan hasn't played a game in almost twenty years, yeah. right? But yet, st- people are still wearing his shoes, mm-hmm. wearing his clothes. You're wearing his sweatpants right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Um, so he he definitely turned himself into a cultural figure. Mm-hmm. And like he had said from the beginning, the Bulls weren't very good. And he mm-hmm. wanted to make them a team that was respected in the championship team, and he was able to do that. Yeah, and then, so the parade goes on, you know, they have a great time, and then they start talking about um how the Bulls, like, you know, they start talking about how Jerry Reinsdorf, actually, who was the former owner for the Bulls, mm-hmm. actually offered Phil Jackson a chance to come back right. and, you know, be the coach of the Bulls again or mm-hmm. continue to be the coach of the Bulls. And then Phil Jackson, he was... He said, you know, he wanted to take a break. Right. Because he just felt like, you know, it wouldn't be fair to Jerry Krause. Right. Um, to come back. Right. And just... And I'm I, sure he was tired, too. Yeah, he was tired. And I don't know, again, I don't know what happened if something happened between them. Like, I don't know, like, why Phil Jackson, you know, he wouldn't let Phil Jackson be the head coach anymore. and mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of him. But, you know, that's, you know... Phil Jackson, I felt like was being the bigger man right there. Right. Yeah. Uh, again, that's a good point. And, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, would have liked to see the Bulls keep going. Mm. And eventually, all dynasties have to come to an end, right? It couldn't go on forever. But Jordan said that it picked to him that they didn't get a chance to defend what they earned. Mm. Um, but it would have been tough because Pippen was a little bit older, mm-hmm. right? And he was going to want a big payout and all that. So yeah. it would have been interesting to see how if it could have ended differently if, um, or if they would have continued to win one or two more. Who knows? But yeah, just to kind of borrow a, a perspective from, from MJ himself, like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So you move on. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, right? Yeah. And the thing you said about Scottie Pippen not being able to come back, they um talked about how Scottie Pippen, Steve Kerr, and Ron Harper they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to bring them back mm-hmm. because their market value was too high. Right. So like the Bulls have to go through this whole rebuild and everything. Right, right. And Phil Jackson, that's one of the reasons why he he does he said that's one of the reasons why he did not want to come back because mm-hmm. they would have you know not had a good team. Right. Jordan already retired, but I, I'm sure Jordan would have came back if Phil Jackson played. Maybe. Yeah, and, J- and Jordan said that, and he said yeah. if I come back and and. Jackson is back. He was like, you think Pip's not going to come back? Of course he's going to come back. Yeah. But, I mean, it's easier to say that now, right? That it yeah. didn't happen. And maybe it could have, maybe it couldn't have, but yeah. it didn't, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's kind of tough, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. But, so, 
I'm sorry, just to, you know, we're about to wrap up soon. What What is, I heard a lot of people say after the documentary who were not on the whole MJ's the GOAT side, right? Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of people afterwards say, nah, MJ's the GOAT, mm-hmm. right? Like, they just needed a, a reminder or a refresher course, right? Mm-hmm. But you were someone who already said MJ was the GOAT going into this, right? Mm-hmm. And being from your generation, that's kind of rare, I feel like, because most kids your age would say Kobe or LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe even Kevin Durant, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. But you said it's Jordan, because you had watched a lot of film on him. Obviously, we watched a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest takeaway from The Last Dance, or, or did anything change your mind or your perspective? Uh, I mean, he was really just, like, crazy throughout his whole career. Like, he was, like... Especially, like, here's the thing I said. I felt like, here's one thing LeBron and Jordan shared in common, is I feel like they were both at their peak of athleticism Mm -hmm. when they first came into the league. Okay. Because just, like, you know, they was just... The way Jordan was just flying through the air and everything. And then, like, you know, LeBron, you know, when he was young, you know, he would dunk crazy. But I think that's because, you know... They they had all this energy. They didn't really care. Right, of course. Yeah, of course. Just like, so I mean, I think that was something to take away, and just like, Jordan was really that dude. And when he said he was gonna do something when it came to basketball mm-hmm. or really anything, but especially basketball, it happened. Just right. like that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, because it's 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 very difficult to just say you're gonna take over and then take over. Like, that's <laughs> right. one of the many things that. You know, people will probably maybe never get a chance to do. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah, I I think I agree. I think it's very rare, again, that you find anybody, but especially an athlete who has that devastating combination of talent, tenacity, and craftsmanship. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And Jordan had that, where he was extremely talented and athletic and everything, right? Mm -hmm. He was extremely tenacious as far as wanting to win. Mm-hmm. And he was com- completely immersed and committed to the game. Mm-hmm. And not only did he commit to the game, he submitted to the game. And what I mean by that is he was like, okay, I'm going to evolve with the game. I'm going to figure out what's the best way that I can play to help my team win. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to submit to whatever that looks like. Yeah. So if it means that I need to go into this post and play out of here and pass out of that's what I'm going to do. For me, it's I have mm-hmm. to guard Gary Payton. That's what I'm going to do. Whatever it is, I'm going to just submit to the will of the game and the championship level of the game. Yeah. And he was able to do that time and time again. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then to end it off, Jordan actually, you know, he said this at the end of the last episode. All you needed was one little match to start that whole fire. Boom. Boom. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Well, listen... Episode 26, man, I had a blast. The Last mm-hmm. Dance Recap Part 5. Mm-hmm. We did episodes 9 and 10 of The Last Dance. I think we did a great job, son. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you go ahead and take us out? Yeah, okay, so thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Hoop Life with Sean and Sean podcast. Um, we're on all podcast platforms, including Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. Oh, and Spotify as well. And um, rate us five stars and free. feel free to drop us a comment and everything. And like my dad always says at the end, from our family to yours, peace. Peace.